I was able to express the happiness within me that was within my father, but that he never got as much chances as I did because he was in the grip of a history that happened to the very country. This is Shane Connington. You know the film My Left Foot? He co-wrote that. He was nominated for an Oscar for it. Ireland meant something to him. The Garda Shikona meant something to him because they helped make the very country. But we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. The Hollywood producers are as crafty as mead cattle jobbers. This is when we first met. We're in the new theatre in Dublin. This is my day job. I'm interviewing him for the paper. He's written a new play, The Pitch. You, I mean, your, your accent is quite anglicised. Tell me about your roots and... Oh, well, uh, I was born in Kingscourt and we moved to Red Hills. Uh, and uh, then I left when I... How old were you when you, were, when you moved? Ten. It had a devastating impact on me. I left all my friends behind, everything I held dear. And uh, never gotten over it. It's terrible, but that's true. You know, it still sticks in my throat. Oh, that terrible wrench. Dislocation. Yeah, yeah, your friends. The thing is, talking to him here, you know, uh, I don't know where King's Court is because of his accent. I, I assume maybe it's in England. Moved to this place, no tarred roads, no running water, no inside lavatories. But King's Court isn't in England. Just no electricity. King's Court is in Cavan. You know, it was just extraordinary. Sixty odd years ago, Shane Connaughton moved one hour down the road, and he's never gotten over it. Uh, Why? The town of Kingscourt was my mother and the Red Hills was my father. You know, one lovely and soft and the other harsh. I think maybe it all comes back to his father. Act one, scene one. My father's spirit in arms. Now, a record collection... <laughs> It's not very much because they're not all here. Some of these were my uh, Anne's fathers. You know, but Janice Joplin, certainly. I, I play that every morning. This is Shane's home in Kilshane Cross, North Dublin. Me and Bobby McGee, I love her singing there. Why? Oh, it brings me back, I think. And she's dead. And when did, was, it, was your father built this house here? Yeah, he built the bungalow. And Anne and myself built, made it into a bungle high. <laughs> yeah, we added to it. Um, well, I'll show you upstairs. Do you photos of your parents? Yeah, there's a photograph down the hall. Would you show me? Yeah. That's then the... He's a very handsome man, as you can see. Are they long gone? Uh, yeah, good while. He died in 1983. Mum died in 1979, I think. Yeah. You suddenly realise, oh, wait, no, I'm, I'm way older than my father was all those years. You know, what, I think of what I'm going through now and thinking what he was going through with eight children. He used to say everything... Everything we do, that was him and mum, everything we do, we do it for you all. And that's true in a way, but there wasn't much displays of affection or 
been articulate about feelings. Because of his own background, his father was a very hard man. He, he couldn't read nor write. All his people had been evicted during the famine. His mother, my granny, she heard Parnell speak, and Parnell saying, one day you're going to own your own land. And she came home and said that he must be a madman. My father used to tell that story. Then he used to tell the story of the evictions. And they had to go and live in a hole in, a, in the turf bog. And they built a kind of a mud hut thing with, with branches and straw and clods on the top. That's where he was born. Oh, there's the thing they used for shining his buttons. That's a button stick, a brass button stick. He, 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 would, he would put the buttons on his tunic all through, all through there and shine them with brasso. That was one of his jobs. And that's the very one. I love it. It's almost like a tuning fork of some kind. And um, have I got the button here? There it is. That's off his uniform. I love that button. And I love this brass, this button stick. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't like to be without that. Acts 2, scene 1. The abstract and brief chronicles of the time. So what have we got in the trailer? Well, it's all the set, the old creamery can, the bag cloth, light standards, the old gold post. Uh, I'll tie it on this way. This, this, they call this showbiz. Can you imagine? I'm, I'm like, I'm like somebody dumping stuff illegally down a country lane. But that's the set. The best way to go is just bypass Ashburn to get to King's Court. We're going to Red Hills. Shane's bringing the play to his home place, and I'm coming along. Busted flat in Ben Rouge, waiting for a train. And I see the news faded as my jeans. It's the oldest horse fair known to man, there since Adam and Eve began. Eve wanted a pony, sure enough, Adam bought her one of the fair muff. Muff me boys is in the county cavern. If you're coming from Dublin, you go through Navan. When you get to Kingscourt, sure enough, you're just two miles off from the fair of Muff. When my father discovered I wanted to be an actor, he, he wouldn't call it acting, he called it play acting, which is putting down the role of acting. He wouldn't say actor, he'd say a play actor. So you were just playing at something that wasn't important slightly racy and basically immoral. I remember riding along here, the other side of Nobber, there was a load of cyclists riding in the rain and one of the cyclists' vests had gone up his back revealing his naked flesh and I always remember my father saying, with the rain hopping off the cyclist's back, my father said, look at him, stripped to the pelt. I remember when I came home from England, first of all, I gave him a fiver. And he said, oh, don't be ridiculous, you need that yourself. 
but I insisted on giving him a five. I couldn't afford it, but I wanted to pretend. I wanted to please him, and I knew money was the one way you could please him. And he took it and put it into his wallet and said, Oh, good man. You know, that word pelt, P-E-L-T, which is an animal's, an animal word, I thought it was it stuck in my mind. Look at him, stripped to the pelt. But I needed that blinking fiver. When I got back to Leightonstone, I had to walk to work for a week. I couldn't afford the bus fare. <laughs> Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Nothing. That's all that Bobby left me. Acts 2, scene 2. We can hang the dad's that water. Yeah, sure. The glassy stream. Past Kingscourt, we stop on the shore of Loxillan. There were 14 schoolchildren drowned here one day. With the school, with the school teacher, he took them all out on a boat. A school teacher, and they were all drowned except him. Before your time? Yeah, yeah. But every time we passed here, somebody would tell the tale. And then he's back at that moment when everything changed 60 odd years ago. My father. Uh, he, he knew a lot about police work because he'd been in a long time. He'd been in just after the Civil War he, when he joined up. He'd learned the hard way and um, he, he knew his law. A guard is supposed to study the law all the time and there's supposed to be lessons every month or something or every week maybe. And the superintendent kept saying, you've got to study for the uh, sergeant's exam. And he kept resisting. He didn't want the responsibility. And at last he relented, and he started studying. My mother used to be asking him the questions every night, and he'd be upstairs in his bedroom, uh, sitting in front of the one-bar electric fire with his big uniform coat around his shoulders, studying. And at last the news came. Guard Connerton had been promoted to sergeant. He'd passed the exams. My God, the excitement from my mother was unbelievable. And... When he came in, my mother got us all to dance around him. Well, he stood in the middle of us. We're all so happy. And then, of course, we were so happy, but soon we were so sad because he had to move. And that was it, you know... Everything is double-edged. We had to leave Kingscourt because he got promoted and he had to get a station where he could take his family and we ended up in Red Hills. When was that? 1951. I can't get over it. But that emotion is there all the time. It's a very raw thing. And just there to be tapped. From the king Kentucky coal mines to the California sun. But that, that thing about my, uh, us children and my mother dancing around my father, when it just shows you the little triumphs we needed to give our life point. It was only a small triumph in the scheme of things. I mean, it wasn't like winning the Nobel Prize for Literature. It wasn't like getting a nomination for an Oscar or winning the Sam Maguire. But it meant something to us. Still does. Things did grow harsher, because in 
because I think of Red Hills was a harsher place. We lived in a barracks. It was not a very warm place. Of a cold morning, you go out and break the ice on the barrel, get a basin of water to wash your face in. We used to sleep under his coats as well as the blankets. Along here, the, the wheelbarrow fell off the lorry. It was past that lake. It was like a scene out of the Grapes of Wrath, you know, with the Okies piling everything on an old lorry. I remember that my friends were kept home from school on the day we were leaving. And we played in the street for the last time, and then we were called and got into a car and drove away. It was only 30 miles geographically, but in real terms, it was a million miles away. But I remember one tremendous thing that happened was when we left Kingscourt and went to Red Hills, my father came in one day and said, there's a song about Kingscourt. It's going to be on the wireless tonight, apparently. He must have read it in the newspaper or something. And it was that song, Oh, to be in Dunaree. Oh, to be in Dunaree with the sweetheart I once knew. Stroll back home, never more to roam, is my dearest wish of all. And we all crowded around the, the radio listening to this song, Oh, to be in Dunery. And our town that we had left, so moving. Nobody spoke for ages. Two, scene three. The play's the thing. This is it, Colin. That's the parish hall in Red Hills. That's where the play is on tonight. There's nobody here. So we'd have to go up to that house just there and get the key. Sorry. But you see, Father Jason took our key. So um, they're just... We're trying to get Noel on the phone now. Yeah. He's not, he's not answering. So we're trying to ring round and see who else has one for you. Um, I'll, I'll phone Noel now. Okay. Noel's talking to the guy with the... He, he, he's probably just up there in the graveyard, cleaning up or something, he said. So he hasn't, he hasn't oh. thought. Noel, is Shane. No, we need, we need to get into the hole. Okay, Noel. Minutes later. Oh, this is a red van. This is Noel coming. <coughs> How are you, Noel? Good man. How are things? He's locked out. Yeah. <laughs> are you busy? Ah, doing a bit. So we, so we just yeah. emptied this in here, yeah, Noel. Yeah, no six lamps. I'll take this one. That's the gold post. With a bit of a broken crossbar. This rough magic. Last week we, were, we had a platform on beer barrels. We had the lady carpet on top and then we put that on top. Only a hundred people turned up. I think we clashed with evening mass. Evening mass was at eight o'clock. Only on a Saturday. On Saturday, evening mass at eight o'clock too. Oh, is it? I thought it was seven o'clock. <gasps> no, 
Yeah. If only I said that here, Brother Nathan said that it should have been probably half eight. Oh, we can do it at half eight. But you get the priest to announce it. Mm. Mm. Relax, everybody. The play isn't starting at half eight. <laughs> now the mystery of the gospel. <laughs> Very quickly, the mystery of the gospel. Yeah. The picture is based on that man there. He was 83 in that picture. And he, all, he lived in the past. He was sent off, the, he was sent off in the semi-final in 1945. And he yeah. never forgotten it. It destroyed his life. And he, he told the same story every night of his life. And I can swear that. But he was wonderful company. You know, when I go to a football match with him in Clonus, for instance, to the Ulster Championship matches... He would talk about every single field on the way, whole way to Clonus. And he, he'd be commenting on the land the whole time. Do you think, Nell, the goalpost is in, in a right position? Yeah? Uh, the goalpost is a very, very old goalpost. And it's got a broken piece of crossbar on it. Still sticking out both ways, so it looks like a crude version of a cross, of a crucifix, of a cross. Because the, the man really in the play is crucified to the past, because he talked about the past all the time. He was abandoned on an island of the past, memory. He could never escape from it. He didn't want to escape from it, I suppose. And it struck me symbol, the broken cross. How many are you expecting, though? Don't, Don't know. know. I'm dead. How many seats have you put down there now? I forget now what there is, but there's room for five more. Three, four, five, a hundred and something. Act two, scene four. I shall not look upon his like again. That turkey cock doesn't like you know, that turkey hen doesn't like you, Colin. That's Sean Doris, the local Garda. Noisy character. Amazing sound, isn't it? Oh yeah. But she's just disturbed now by our yeah. presence here. This house was the house lived in by Shemi, who the character in the play is based on. This was the kitchen. With the traditional open fireplace with the crane for hanging the pots and pans and kettle. And the fire never went out here for practically a hundred years. Because the fire was smooth at night time and it, it, it was lit again in the morning by Sissy, Shemi's sister. And on Saturday night was Killy night here. Yeah. Killy House would be on the radio. And uh, there'd always be... Of there'd always be two or three people. Shemi Shorten had come in. Yeah. Uh, you grew up in a certain way there... My father was the local sergeant, and you had to live a certain way. But there was a wilder life out there, which symbolised by fellows like Shemi. Going into his house, I felt that I was recreating a childhood that I never had. Uh, I found it much warmer, uh, more attractive, um, more animal way of looking at the world, which was far more interesting, more honest. Um, so I always aspired to that. And this, this was the place where Shemi held court and told us stories every single day of his life. Sometimes the same stories about his feats on the football field and the way he was betrayed by being sent off in the, final, the semi-final in 1945. He never forgot it.
actually hit somebody and had to be sent off. But he was always getting sent off. You know, he he was in the, he had an explosive temper. I always think it had something to do with the fact that his father died when he was very young. And he he was always attacking figures of authority. You know, because he never had a figure of authority in his life. You'd go in and sit by that fire with him. And he was so interesting. Even though he was telling you about the same things that he talked about the night before and the night before. But looking into that fire, that open fire with the dancing flames every night and the night falling, it hasn't been replaced. We got him to the doctor anyway and he was hospitalised. He, he lived for 12 months in the nursing home, but he was never contented, you know, because he was taken out of his, out of his, of his natural surrounds. When I visited him now in the, in the nursing home, he was able to look out and there was, I, I can always remember, there was black Aberdeen Angus yeah. cattle in yeah. St. Pat's College there. Yeah. And he'd always look out and he says, do you see the cattle today? Look out the wind at them there. They're over for an me there on Prunty's Hill, he said. And that was the view from the front window here, out onto what he called Prunty's Hill. Act 2, Scene 5. A Fellow of Infinite Jest. Shane, he's gone home to rest before this show. Sean and I, we've gone for a drive. Felix, how's it going? How is life? Any crack, no? Never much. Ah, this man bad here. Year. It's a bad year. Oh, it's a shocking bad year. Right. This man is here with me now. He's just doing a wee old documentary on oh, right. on, on Shane on Shane Connaughton's play. The oh, pitch, geez, that's know. good. I meant to go one evening, one Sunday evening. Was yeah. No, but this is the play. The play I'm talking about. It's up in Kilukta Hall when? tonight. Cheers, I'll make up. It'll be worthwhile now because you. That will surely. Because I'll, I'll tell you, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the references towards Connolly, you know. A shame. Yeah, yeah. A ah. lot of his old sayings are in oh, it. Jesus, that, uh, yeah. It's nice to see the local oh, communities. Yeah. Right, that's right. That's get right. together. We're just going in here as far as the old cash on the border here to look around us. Yeah. <laughs> see you, Felix. Ah, he's he's an old gentleman now. He lives there, and he is another shamey because lives as a bachelor and he lived with his sister and she died there a couple of years ago so he now lives there on his own and that's history repeating itself there I mean it's Act 3 scene 1 The Mirror Up to Nature Backstage uh, well actually we're, we're just in a room off the hall which doubles as the local Montessori Let's do the feeling, emotion, tell the story. The show starts start in a couple of minutes' time with pitch by Shane Palatin. Now, I just want to, you to see the exit signs here. And please turn off your mobile phones, please. So we join the show. Thank you very much. There was a great silence, definitely, at the end of that scene. Mm-hmm. How do you think it's going? Very good, yes, that's what you call it. I'd say it tomorrow night, and it wouldn't be nice. Here. 
if you if you keep it maybe till about twenty past. Well, we're doing get that. the priest yeah. the same ass. No, we're not we're not doing it in half day. Oh, that's my yeah yeah. Well, that should be a nice. So you can tell everybody. Yeah, well, I get I get him to tell. Yeah. That's my yeah. Thanks very much. It's a right to say break a leg. Yeah, yeah. There was a young kid in the front row of the audience, and he was very engaged by it, and that gave me encouragement. There's always one really acute mind watching the play. You were lonely too. We're all just ghosts waiting to happen. Mammy, do you, do you ever see Daddy at all? Mammy! to do it, to write a play about that man and about this place. You know, it was really amazing. Red Hills, it was... That's what the play was about. <laughs> and Shemi used to dance in that very hall and we used to play in that very hall. Just right beside the school we went to. Just under the shadow of the cemetery on the hill where we'll all end up. Well, there was a great silence there, wasn't there, Jack? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it was very good. My God, yeah, at the end, when with the whole... Who was the father of the child? My God, you could hear... Oh, you could hear the pin, the verbian pin. Um, yeah, you could hear a feather drop, you know? Act 3, Scene 2. The Undiscovered Country. There's Sean again. We've met him earlier at Jamie's. I can identify with Shane because he was reared in the Garda station. I have witnessed my children being reared in the Garda station. In a way, I have become what Shane's father was and my children have become what Shane was. I didn't want my kids to to be left with that vacantness and and it is a vacantness because the barracks is owned by the state and when you pick up your chattels and move on, you leave all that behind. 
It's like Piccadilly Circus here today, Sean. When we move inside. You know, the memories of, of that place, and look at it now. I mean, you just couldn't think it's got any magic mysticism or anything at all about it. And now it's all about the clothes. You may not even get an end to your story today. God, you've got a few, you've got a few letters here, Sean. Oh, yeah, they have to be looked at. There have only been three guards in Red Hills... Since. Since 1962. Good God. I came in 87, and I'm still here, but for how long more, I don't know. Hmm. And, um... That'll be it, then. That'll be it. End of an era. Yeah. So this was the sergeant's office. No, that was the sergeant's office. This was the day room. The battens and the handcuffs hung there. My father arrested a load of IRA men one day and had, had them in here in this very room. It was the kitchen then. And they were wearing, one would have a wellington and a boot on and the other would have a shoe and a, a welly on. And um, my mother gave, gave them all mugs of tea and bread and my father uh, told them to leave his district and never to come back again. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of it. He, he took the job very seriously. You see, he he joined uh, after the force was formed, really. And he joined in 1923, Sean. He was, he was one of the Can first. Do you remember his number? I do, well, 4447. 4447. I was always conscious with my own children that I, I would try and inculcate his values and strengths to them. Don't be afraid. Don't whinge, get on with it. Be strong. Your people survive the famine. That was always a clincher for me. Still is. They were evicted. And they survived. So what else can touch you? Nothing. So, you see... He was a great man, too. This was your mother's room. I slept with my mother. My father slept in the room down there. Right. My father never slept with my mother. Was there a reason for that? Yeah. He he was a man who needed his sleep. So my mother always kept a new baby with her. I was the first boy, and for some reason she kept me with her all the time. And his, his room was across the hallway there. Right. Yeah. And I, I just carried on here, and I, I must have been about, oh God, I, was, I think I, I, I must have been about 14 or 15 when I was sleeping with my mother. And one night he came in, he came in and just standing where you are, and he had his hands in his pockets and his tunic was hanging open. He said, get out of there, you. It's time you moved. And I said, where, where am I going to go? So, so I had to go down. And where did, where did, what did I do? Got in with me two sisters. <laughs> and then I ended up with two brothers sleeping one way and me and my other brother sleeping t- uh, top to tail, you know. After he died, I used to dream dream about him a lot. I did not dream nightmares. He kept appearing, and I'd say, but you're dead, Daddy, you're dead. Oh, my God, this is a nightmare, I'd say. He, he'd be there, and I'd be saying, but, Daddy, you're dead. And then I'd say to somebody else, he's dead. And yet there he is. We buried him. But there he'd be. 
and his big coat would come down on me, his big dark uniform great coat would come down on the bed and be weighing down on my chest. That was a horrible feeling. And I'd wake up, oh my God. My wife used to have to wake me up. She'd hear me struggling and she'd just touch me and I'd wake up. But I haven't had those dreams for a long time now. I see this little community out here as not losing a guard. They're going to lose a guard a station. You've just put yourself out of a job there, Sean. Well, 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 maybe so, Shane. Yeah. Maybe so, but 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 uh, but I'm I'm saying it as it is, Shane. Mm. I know this place will be gone. I may even be retired as well, or I'll be operating from another centre, still living in Red Hills, mm. unless I'm dead, of course. On that happy note. <laughs> Shane, I think we'll adjourn for a mug of tea. What time have you arrived? When he put on his uniform and put on his cap in the morning and walked out of the barracks looking spick and span, having brightened up his buttons and polished his boots and walked down the village, it meant something. I know what will happen here. It'll be boarded up. It'll lie idle for a few years. The border works will eventually say, oh, we don't need that anymore and we'll sell it. It'll be sold to the highest bidder. And all the ghosts that are in the closets in there will die, I suppose. Will they, Shane? Oh, they'll live on one way or the other. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, man. How important is it all to those kids we can hear? Yeah, it's amazing how powerful it is still for me. How powerful it all is.